I experienced it at, at, at Intel Corp. I experienced it at the Pentagon. Um, and I've experienced it in stand-up comedy. And it's it's absolutely true everywhere you go for the for the most part, you know, give or take. But yeah, only ten percent of people know what they're doing. In the, in a big enough in a big enough organization, only ten percent of the people know what they're doing. You know, ten percent of the people have no business being there, and everybody else is just copying the first ten percent, trying to keep their jobs and coast. You know, and then on top of that, you have the Peter Principle, right? And we talked about this a bunch, but that but it's but it's when you know you get promoted when you do a good job and then you don't get promoted when you don't. So what happens is you keep promoting somebody till they reach a job that they aren't good at and they stay there. And so you end up with that with a middle management to upper management layer of people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. Yes. Uh, welcome back. BS with Brian Simpson episode. I think it's 57. 67. 67. Right? Yes, sir. 67. Yeah, something like that. Whatever. Yeah, Donald Trump's <laughs> being indicted today. Whoa, big news. Yeah, whatever. Um, I just, it's just, <clears throat> um, you, you know what it is, man. Being a, be, being a, a lefty in America, it's like rooting for a team that not only is, it loses all the time, but like we lose to the same play. Like they beat us with the same plays all the t- over and over and over again. We don't make no defensive adjustments. <laughs> you know, I don't give a fuck that Donald Trump's on trial today, or whatever whatever today is. Is it is it is it the verdict? He's just he's just being indicted. Oh, in Miami. oh, oh my God! An indictment on Donald Trump. <laughs> This motherfucker been indicted more times than uh than uh, the Teflon Don. That's what they're gonna start calling him Teflon Don. It's like every time you, cause this doesn't work, okay, guys. That's what I'm trying to say. Rich people don't go to prison. Former presidents don't go to prison. So this is just some. This is just something for you to get excited about. There's really nothing that benefits you at all. That's all it is. What do you think about the reports that apparently he's having trouble finding somebody to represent him? I mean, well, yeah, he's a he's a known difficult client. He's also known for not paying not paying his lawyers or paying his his bills. So I imagine some people don't want to really uh, get involved with that. But at the same time, look, it's a big enough case. Some attorney's going to take it. Somebody you know will mean? take it at some point. Some people take it, and the truth is, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. They, rep- they represented a former president. They could put that little stick on their resume. And even if they lose, they could just say, ah, oh, he was so difficult, you know. Well, who, no one could have won that case. Whatever, you know. It's just, but this is just all pop. This is all, uh, this is all politics. It's all petty politics. And you know what? It's people on the left that love it. And you, but you're wasting your energy. I wasn't even aware that this was happening until Rob just told me this morning. You know, like I, I knew he was, I knew that they were trying to charge him with some other stuff. But I was like, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to the stuff every day that tells me what to be mad about or what to be happy about. Like, <laughs> it's all bullshit. If you think Donald, if you think Donald Trump is, uh, is going to prison over whatever this shit is, you know. It's like, you know, I got a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? For a low, low price. You know, it's just that simple. It's like, it's just a distraction, man. 
I would be excited if you told me, um, you know, Donald Trump and Joe Biden were like doing a celebrity death match or something like that, or or or, or <laughs> one of them was boxing Logan Paul, you know, something that was actually going to happen. You know, but what's what's there to get excited about somebody getting indicted? You know, indictments don't mean shit to rich people. Just like, you know, Thanks. like passports. You know, they don't really need those. If you're rich <laughs> enough, you don't need a passport. You know, I don't know. I I just don't. I don't know why people. I don't know why. I don't know why people on the left get excited about this every single time and get distracted about this every single time. But the people yelled. Did you know I tweeted about um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg? <laughs> Or, or, or the the clip from our last episode was about one of them was about Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, Diane Feinstein um, not quitting while they were basically fucking Skeletor out there. It really made people upset, you know. And it's, and that's what that's what I don't get. It's like it's like reality makes you upset, and this fantasy makes you happy. You What's know? the fantasy? It's, it's, the fantasy is that is that Donald Trump is in real legal trouble. Mm. You know what I mean? Because I put it to like this: they have it. Uh, even if he wasn't former president, <clears throat> I've never seen a rich person go to prison short of fucking with other rich people's money. Like a truly rich person, and I don't know, and and then you know, and the people that are really obsessed with this nigga were like, "Well, he's not really rich, so whatever, nigga." He's in the club of people that way that could keep living like he's rich till he die. You know what I'm saying? Whether whether that be loans or scheming and scamming, he just he can do that. So, you know, but the reality is, Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have quit when Obama asked her to, so he could replace her old ass. You know, people like, well, she fought till the day she died. Yeah, that's the problem. You probably shouldn't be. You probably shouldn't be making decisions for the rest of the country like the day before you die. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. How old was she when she died? Can you look that up? How old was Ruth Bader's Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Listen, I'm not at all stating eighty-seven she, years old. Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Okay, guys, come on. Come on, L- listen. I'm not at all taken away from the fact that she was a pioneer in certain things. She she was a uh, she was a hero in certain ways. She was the voice of the left on the Supreme Court for forever. She was you know she was probably the first lot of things. Um, but she was 87 years old when she when she died. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, I ain't never made an 87 year old that I would let make any decisions for me. It's impossible you know to die. It, it's impossible for an 87 year old dying to be a surprise. Well, right? not just that, but it's like if you die when you're 87, that means you've been dying since you was 84. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm just saying, I'm saying, I'm I'm just saying, dying people shouldn't be in Congress or or in on the Supreme Court. Or in the White House, for that matter. You know what I'm saying? I feel the same way about Joe Biden. How old is Joe Biden? 83? Nah, he about he got to be about 86. He's 80. He's 80? Too high? Too high. That's too high. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. 
That boy wearing diapers, man. He definitely is. Yeah, that boy wearing diapers, man. Passing legislation about about boxer briefs. What you know about that? <laughs> you ain't wore boxer briefs since <laughs> since you were sixty. You know, you think that man? Listen, I put it like this. You think Ruth Bader Ginsburg? You think she knew how to? Um, you you think she could upload a TikTok? Actually, TikTok wasn't a thing when she died. But but um, but but I'm just saying. Do you think she could if she were alive today, and she was 87 today? You think she could? No. You think Joe Biden could? You think Joe Biden could upload a TikTok? No. Absolutely not. No, I don't think so either. I don't think he has any idea. I mean, the the, the bill sure did go through Congress. The, the, you know, the ban TikTok bill or whatever. Did that pass? I don't believe so. It was actually about spying on all of us. <clears throat> But uh, but half of those old, half of those people that saying tick, they don't even know what it is. It's just something that grandkids do. They don't know what the fuck it is. You know, I just think that's crazy. We in this tech, we in this high tech world that's not that's not fully understood by even younger po- folks. You know, it's like, bro. It's like, have you ever, have you ever tried to help your grandparents set up a, you know, like a, <laughs> like a situation where they can, you know, where, where their VCR is set up or their, or their streaming box is set up and you, and, and they don't, it's like they don't understand about, the concept. I was about to of, say, Brian, VCR, what, what, well, well, what I mean, oh yeah, they still, about? they all of them, they still got their VCR and they still got their tape collections. Joe Biden probably got a Betamax. <laughs> You know, for y'all young folks, that was like the like. You remember when Blue? Well, actually, you probably don't even remember that when Blue when the, when it was the battle between Blu-ray and I think it was uh, what was it? 4K DVD was it? What it was? Is what it was called? Uh, or HD Super DVD? What was it? HG HD DVD? Yeah, yeah, it was HD. Yeah, 4K HD wasn't DVD. even a thing. Yeah, it was DVD. It was Blu-ray and HD DVD was the battles. You know, and obviously Blu-ray won the battle. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Mostly because it was Sony's technology, and they were able to put the PlayStation put it in the PlayStation Two, so that kind of made it a thing, right? Or maybe, what, what was it the PlayStation Three? No, they won the battle way before that. I think it was the PlayStation Three was the one, first one with Blu-ray. But Blu-ray. I mean, the, either way, you're I yeah. But Sony, Sony, major S- Sony had them. They had the movie studio. They made a lot of shitty movies, but they. You know, they were this movie studio and the DVD, and they invented the uh, Blu-ray. So they were able to kind of, <clears throat> you know. Anyway, before that, way before the, the the Blu-ray HD DVD battle, there was the fucking Betamax uh, uh, VHS battle. And some people still say Betamax was better. The, the tapes were smaller. They were easier to store. Um and as a child, that was the only difference I could see is that one was smaller than the other one, you know. So, <clears throat> and I don't know what happened to make, because a lot of movies did come out on Betamax. I remember watching, I think I watched Jaws was, on uh, Betamax. Pornography. Pornography? Yeah, oh, pornography. porn started using VHS? Porn used, used VHS, even though Betamax had higher capacity, higher definition, smaller tapes, et cetera. 
Um, I yeah. believe it was porn, uh, porn is the, porn, the it, VCR People market. don't like to admit this, man. Porn and gamers push technology. I think I've said this on the on the pod before. But that that is where that's the porn and gamers are sort of the this are sort of the 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 rich people of tech in the sense that like you know how you know when rich people get a certain thing and then and then it beca- and then it starts becoming mass produced and starts going to everybody gamers and porn they're sort of at the forefront of that when it comes to technology where it's like if if porn gets behind something or gamers get behind something in a couple of years it's going to be standard you know nerds run the world porn, and you know, people that shoot porn try to pretend like they're not nerds, but you know, everybody does. Comedians try to act like they're not nerds. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. jocks try to act like they're not nerds. You know, but anyway, my point is, is it this that wouldn't be the the first or last time that the porn industry, because you know what it is. What it, this is why this is why I think that is. It's because porn is. Porn is the thing that most people are either participate in or absorb or you, but secretly, you know what I mean? It's like most people are not out and about about what porn they watch or whether they watch porn, you know, but I know that if you go to, if you go to some podunk religious town in the middle of nowhere where, you know, in the Bible belt or whatever, there'll be a liquor store. A, a, a general store and a fucking adult video store where people are jerking off in the back. You know what I mean? Oh, e- yeah. So even even in the pla- the least place you would expect, there's porn being experienced. Porn touches all facets of America, right? And so it seems like it's one of those things that we never we never see out in the light, but it's actually touching all of society. So my point is, it, you know, if porn when porn switched DVDs. That's probably how they won that too. When, when, when porns, I, I ain't never seen no Blu-ray porn. <laughs> I think Sony just bullied their way into that shit. But actually, there was no HD DVD porns either. I don't think porn porn was still on some DVD shit back then. You know, but but same thing with like porn porn did streaming HD streaming, uh, the, the fucking Oculus shit. Porn was because you know porn at the forefront of all of that, and then gamers are it crosses over somewhere because I think I think gamers affect everything because crosses over in VR chat, Brian. Well, I think it's because if you're typically if you're a gamer, you're the nerd in some group, you know some some in your group people come to you about technology and shit like should I buy people ask me all the time. Oh, uh, what hey, what headphones should I get? What TV should I get? You, you know, what have you heard about these uh you know, these Blu-ray players or whatever, you know, whatever the fuck it is. And so I think that if you're the if you're the the, the resident nerd in your circle, you influence that on a on a small scale. Um and then rappers, rappers are the last bastion of it, but that's kind of working at it from another direction. You know, um, but if you if you can get rap, well, that, I guess that doesn't always work. Like you know, because it can't, because because if something is, because it can't be a corny thing, because rappers can't make anything cool. It's got to have a little bit of potential to be cool. You know what I mean? 
Like they had people rapping about the vaccine. You know that wasn't gonna work, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Vaccinated? No, nobody's. That didn't make anybody. You know what I'm saying? Because it's it screamed. <laughs> just the, that shit doesn't work, man. You can't make you can't make rappers rap about like staying in school and shit. And like, and like, like you can, and that's 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 good. But like, it's not gonna work. It's, it's not gonna have an influence. You know, because it's like, I, I guess basically what I mean is, <clears throat> the whole thesis of rap is being like anti-establishment. So if you're trying to make, if you pay a rapper to say something that's establishment, it comes off as inauthentic. So, you know, authenticity matters to the black community, at least for the most part, you know? So you can't you can't send a motherfucker out there like, <laughs> you know, one was like, be nice to your mother. And it's like, and then, he, and then he got a hit song about fucking killing 50 people, you know? <laughs> it just seems counterintuitive, you know. Rappers always thank God. You ever notice that? That's always been so strange to me. But whatever. It's because of their grandmas. Or something. Yeah, but I um, <clears throat> I want to get to the elephants in the room. I guess I said all that just to say I don't care. Correct. Um, I don't care about Donald Trump. 1 p.m. Summer is here, which means your balls are probably sticking to your dick right now. It's sweaty, it's uncomfortable, and you don't have to live like this. Get sheath underwear. It has two pouches, one for your dick, one for your balls. It keeps things separated so you can finally find some peace and comfort in your life. No matter your underwear style, sheath has a color or pattern for you. Keep it classic and neutrals or check out their collabs with Michael Malice or Cowboy Cerrone. I personally uh, um, have sheath. I replaced all my underwear with sheath because I like having a pocket for my balls. You know, it's something that uh, it's a little tiny thing that I can't go back to the other way. You know, I'm one of those people with large balls. They're always sticking to my legs, especially when the summertime. And so... This is a solution for me. I'm just telling you. This uh, uh, sheath is also veteran-owned, which I also love. Uh, finally, enjoy the season without worrying about your sweaty junk. And now, sheath isn't just for the men. For our ladies in the audience, check out sheath sports bras, bikini briefs, and boy shorts that also have a place for your balls. Go to sheathunderwear.com and use code BS to get 20% off your first order, plus Sheath Underwear's 100% money-back guarantee. That's sheathunderwear.com, promo code BS. Get Sheath Underwear, support the show, support your balls. All right, hi, Brian and Rob. I emailed a while back, and you guys gave me some great advice, so I have another question. What do you do about people that you have known for a long time that used to be good friends, but now just feel like they're holding you back hmm. there are certain people who i've been through a lot with and i consider them good friends however over time we've all gotten into a rut i am now in a place where i'm trying to get out of it and the vibe i get from friends like this is that i'm a threat to their comfort i wish i could help them get <clears throat> on the same page and have been trying but you can only do so much being around them now makes me depressed but I also feel like a sociopath just cutting people out of my life 
that I've been good friends with for 10 plus years. I mean, you do kind of sound like a sociopath. <laughs> oh, yeah, I've outgrown all of these niggas. Um, another thing is, how do you approach meeting new people? I'm trying to be around people with better energy, but I always feel weird just trying to strike conversation with strangers. Anyway, hope to hear back from you, and I'll see Brian in West Nyack, Peter. Okay, um, well, because <clears throat> at first, you know what? At the beginning of the, email, <clears throat> at the beginning of the email, it sounded like you were one of those like alcoholics. You know what I mean? That and your friends were trying to like step in, and you were like in denial about it. Um, but. Now it kind of sounds like maybe all of y'all were like alcoholics and you trying to get away from that group or some kind of holic. Y'all were, you know, because I don't know what you mean by we're all stuck in a rut. Um, is this like, I wish I knew how old this this person is. Because um, this like a, you know, everybody graduated high school and the gap year turned into three years. Or is this like everyone finished college and, or or haven't finished college, but it's been like five years. You know, but in, but in in any event, man, <clears throat> this is why I feel bad for the youth in a way because you know everyone has to deal with it. But for y'all especially, y'all didn't get to grow up in a world where you could fucking stop knowing someone like just easily. You could just you could just stop talking to them, and you would you would probably never see the like if you move if you moved, you definitely would never see anybody again. When I grew up. You know, there's people I grew up with that I li- that I wouldn't even recognize if I saw them in the street. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, and they they have no way of contacting me. They they don't know they don't know anybody I know. You know, and it's and 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 y'all grow up like you know you date a girl for six months, and she connected to your whole family. She you know she done followed your she done followed your mama and your brothers and sisters and cousins and. Your friends and all of that, and then you. So you know you can't even break up with somebody and have them just go away, you know. So, um, but it's a skill that you, that y'all need to learn because because you can. I mean, it, you know, it's harder, but you you can just cut people off. There's nothing wrong with that, you know. You, you you don't have room in your life for people that that um that don't that don't have goals. Cut off everybody that ain't that don't have a goal, man. It's just that simple, or you know, because because I don't think it's fair to say you know as a, as a I'm just gonna guess you're in your twenties. Those these are the type of questions twenty somethings ask. Um, I don't think it's fair for you to say, oh, you got to have your whole life figured out and know exactly what you want to be and all of that stuff. But motherfuckers that don't want nothing out of life, you know, you go, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? And they're like, I don't know. Oh, who cares? Like they don't even give a fuck. Like you gotta stop. Playing. You gotta stop. Don't be around them motherfuckers because you ain't gonna never figure it out if you're around people like that. Just like, oh, I just like my life the way it is now. You know, I just like you know, I like living with my mama, kind of sort of. You know, I like being thirty and being yelled at about <laughs> the thermostat shit. You know, <laughs> so I was like, I mean, it's like, yeah, this 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 is this is indeed what you're saying. Like you're 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 trying to go after something and your friends are just stuck in a rut, you know. Or maybe like, but it could also be like all of y'all was four hundred pounds and now you know you don't lost a hundred and you think you're better than everybody. Which you, but you which you are, you know. But you you can't act like that. You, you know I don't know. Um I don't know. But, but 
because it, it's hard to say what your relationship is with your friends, you know. But but the truth is, man, you lucky to die with like one or two good friends. Most of the motherfuckers ain't really your friends, you know. And I think I think right. if you if you trust your instincts, because that's what it sounds like here, you're insecure about how you feel about things. That's why you said, "How do I talk to new people?" What? Just do what you love and be yourself. Be genuine, you know. Unless you got some kind of, you know, unless you're on a spectrum or something, you have you have trouble with social things. You know, just be yourself. Wash your ass. Brush your teeth. <laughs> you know, I, I I beat the drum on it lots and lots and lots, but. Honestly, honestly, not washing your ass and not brushing your teeth and not knowing how to mind your business and when to shut the fuck up. Those are four skills that you got to work on and, and that's free. You can work on all four. Of them. Actually, I guess maybe washing your ass ain't necessarily free, <clears throat> but it's widely available, you know. But but th- those, those if you just if you just smell nice and don't talk too fucking much in most social situations, you'll be fine, you know. Don't talk about yourself. Listen. This is another thing, too. When you meet new people, um, especially women, listen more than you talk. You know? Only talk about yourself when somebody asks about yourself. But don't don't try to make conversations about you or about your experience. Listen. People love talking about themselves. So you just ask people about them and listen. Like, really listen. Don't just, like, pretend to listen. But if you just ask people about themselves, they'll talk all fucking day. You know, but but if, if you're one of those people that like is is awkward in conversation and you don't know how to, because <clears throat> you know, because real good conversation is like double dutch. You gotta know when to hop in. You gotta know when to be quiet. You gotta let people feel like they. You gotta let everybody feel like they got some words in. You know, um, and trust me, this is something I struggle with. I've always like since I, when I was a little kid, I was always told, "Shut the fuck up. You talk too fucking much." You know, not in the sense that I was telling everybody business, but just in the sense that I would just ramble and ramble. And I, it took me a long time to realize how irritating that is. And, and now I only do that when I get real high and I can't stop myself. But, <clears throat> like right now, that's why I have a podcast. <sighs> I've been rambling about your problem for quite a few minutes now. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think I answered all your questions. Yeah, cut them niggas off. I mean, I think, it, well, it, my question would be, do you need to cut people off just because like, you know what I mean? Like, cause maybe you're just out of phase with these people for right now. And then three years from now, they'll catch back up. Like they'll, they'll get tired of whatever dead end job they're in or whatever. And they'll start making moves. And then you become friends again. I mean, as we've, as we've pointed out on this podcast before, Brian, I'm a very old man. And so I've had friendships that have sort of faded into the background for a few years and then come back. You know, so you don't need to like, you don't need to cut people off. Like, it's not like, it's not like you're in a band and you need to break up the band or whatever. It's just some people you just hang out with less as you start doing shit and they're hanging out at home playing video games. Well, that's why I feel like these are like childhood friends because he says here, um, uh, I consider them good friends. And I'm like, well, there's none of my good (laughs) friends that I would cut off. Like, I think you, I think you're at that age where, where it's like, most of your friends are people you just grew up around and you and you didn't choose those people. You understand what I'm saying? Or or he's in his like I I'm going to put on my psychic hat and I'm going to say Peter is maybe in his late 20s 
maybe he's 30. And the people that are these friends from like 10 plus might be college friends or mm. something. So he's been through a lot because he has, but, I mean, he says he's been through a lot. They have been through a lot, right? They grew up and they went from being fucking teenagers to being actual adults. And maybe some of them are in a little bit of a state of arrested development and Peter's trying to make moves. Um, and I think two things are going to happen. Number one, like you don't need to give people a talking to or an intervention when you stop hanging out with them. But like, oh, yeah, maybe don't, you just, yeah, don't, yeah, don't do that. Just stop talking. To them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't need to cut. That's what it is. Like cut them off. It's like cut them off from what? Like you're not, you're not, you're not a weaning a puppy off of the teat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's saying, not all of them, but some of them, he feels depressed being around them. See, yeah, yeah you didn't go into an, a, enough detail to really, you know, say you might just be a sociopath. No, I, I don't think that's that's the case. Um, but he said, oh, they've been my good friends, good friends for 10 plus years. Okay, so that, that um, yeah, I glossed over that little tidbit. Um, they've been his good friends for 10 plus years. Ugh. They're picking on him. I don't think they're picking on him. I I, th- I think it's just that. I think that I think that I think that you, you know what it sounds like to me. It sounds like a few of his friends he was loyal to, even you know because they when they because they grew up together or they went to school together. But he's known they he's known they were losers this whole time. But they, <laughs> yeah. but they were losers he was comfortable with, and now he's conflicted because it's easy to be a loser when you're a teenager. It's easy to be a loser when you're in college. Or when you know when your parents are paying your rent, or the, or the dorm, or chit's cheap, and 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 life is free, and you got few responsibilities. But as soon as you know, it's just like it's easy. To, it's just, it's like puppy love. You know what I mean? It's easy to be in love when love is all there is. When you, when you know when you when you're a teen, when you're 15, 16, and you in love with your high school sweet, that's easy. Y'all ain't got no bills to pay. You don't have to depend on this bitch to have her half. You don't got you don't got to worry about their cleaning habits or any of the, the way they spend their money, none of that. But as soon as you throw responsibilities on it, you realize love is not enough. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's easy to it's easy to be cool with people that are fucking losers when you're growing up because it doesn't it doesn't affect you or them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But once we adults and it's like, hey man, look, I got a secret security clearance. I can't you can't be breathing in crack smoke. You know, you got. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you leave the crack? You know what I'm saying? Like once there's responsibilities and there's consequences to hanging out with your fucking loser friends. Because I have friends like that. Like, and when I say friend, I mean there are people that I care about that I can't be around. You know what I mean? And now right. I'm at a point now where it's like as my career progresses, I realize I have to be more and more mindful of who I allow around me because – you know, other people, other people don't calculate. They can't calculate what you have to lose into their shit. They, they don't. They do. Maybe they could, but they don't. Most people don't. So it's like you can't. Some people you just can't let. You just can't. You gotta love them from a distance, man, because they'll fuck your whole shit up. Because they fuck their shit up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It, it's like it's like it's almost like you gonna let a motherfucker that can't drive borrow your car. Hmm. That's what I mean. It's like they are not capable of being responsible with your car. That's why they don't have one. Their car, they wreck theirs. They've been in six accidents this year. They want to. They need to borrow your car. Their shit in the shop. You gonna let them do that? Hell no. So it's the same thing. It's like, it's like they done fucked up their situation and everything around them. And why would you allow them in your situation? 
they're just gonna fuck it up because they don't they don't have the tools to to, to deal with those situations. They, so you know, I guess I guess what I guess my this is my final answer. There is no easy way to say yay, cut them off. No, no, no keep them around. You have to develop trust in your own ability to know who is healthy for you to be around and who isn't. And it's the same thing with making friends. It's like, you'll know when you make a friend, you'll know when, you know, unless, unless you're not, unless something you're not telling me, like you've been in prison for 10 years and you know, these people from prison and <laughs> now you don't know how to be in, in society, you know, cause that's a whole other thing. And there's programs for that. I really don't know how, I don't know how to answer that if that's your situation, but otherwise it's like, <clears throat> that's my, that's, you know, that's my final answer. You have to trust your own judgment. To, to build the people that, that need to be in that need to not be in your life and because I because I'm assuming by cutting people off I don't think he means like breaking up with them I think he just means giving them no energy you know not responding to their texts not not participating in their little schemes not just hanging out getting high you know just wasting right yeah because I know people like that I know people like that that's grown ass me because the only way you can get away with just hanging out and getting high into your 30s as if you're a stand-up comedian. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have to be some job or or a bud tender. Now, I know people that do that. But but are those really losers? No, I don't think so. That's what I'm saying. You you know, five years ago, somebody that got high all day was a loser. Now, you can have a job doing that. Sure. Bro, I know, bro, I know a cat that get paid to fly around the country and smoke weed to... Uh, to decide which brands are the best. That's his job that he pay his bills with and live in L.A. with. You know what I'm saying? I got a homie, Frank, this nigga, he, he, he got a whole podcast where he just gets people real high and, 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 gives, and asks them crazy questions. You know? So it's like, yeah, if, it, if there's a way for you to go after your dream, you know, like, like I said, only you can tell me. Now, look, if you want to describe each friend to me, I can tell you whether to fucking leave them alone. <laughs> but for me not knowing any of your friends, I, you know, I would just say, yeah, you got to trust yourself, trust your own judgment, man, because it's tough. It's tough too, especially people you really care about. It's tough to, it's tough to leave them alone. Sometimes you got to put them on the back burner. By the way, I don't like that saying, the back burner. Like a lot of people cook with back burners. Um, like it's not just for keeping things warm, you know what I mean. The back burners kind of they say, are invariably the shitty burners, though. What do you mean the shitty burners? They're fact, invariably fact, the ones that put out the least amount of heat. Well, well small, how, how is that true? That's not, that's not true of all stoves, especially yeah, nowadays the electric the electric stoves. The back burners put out the exact amount of heat. Um, you know, and if you're cooking a big meal, you're using all the burners. You know, Brian, don't bring your woke electric fucking <laughs> burners yeah, onto this podcast. This is my. This is my. This is, my this is America. <laughs> this is America. We use gas. We use gas pumped into our houses and poisoning our children. Because that's uh, what American. About, what about this one from Cameron? Um, I've been in the military IT since '96. Oh wow, '96. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. About time for you to retire. Hold on. '96. Oh six. 16 women. Why are you still in? 
Oh, that's some good money. I've been in the military IT since 90. No, he probably out in. Uh, okay, oh, he about to tell me. I started out enlisted Air Force as a satellite communications operator maintainer. Worked on a bunch of different systems <clears throat> and types of systems all over the world. I got the Air Force to pay me to get to get and pay for a mechanical engineering degree from University of Maryland. After I got commissioned, they made me a program manager, basically an IT project manager that also had to gather requirements and ask for budget. What does gather requirements mean? Whatever. I worked on all kinds of systems. Satellite that means they put together specs. Training systems, like, database, like, consolidation. Like you make a Man. spec list and then figure out what the budget's going to be. And this motherfucker gave me, gave me giving us his whole resume. Intel analysis system and probably some other shit I don't remember. So you should have you should have done probably some other shit after training systems. You know, it should have went satellite programs, training system, and probably some other shit. Because you know, whatever. Just in the interest of brevity, in my experienced opinion, the reason government IT sucks is that the people that actually have the power to make decisions about what projects are going to be done and how and how <clears throat> have very little understanding what it takes to complete a large, complex project. <laughs> I got news for you, bro. That ain't just the government. They don't decompose the project to a <laughs> low enough level of detail to understand what can and or is likely to go wrong, causing underperformance, cost overruns, or delays. And there are way too many people involved in just deciding what to do in the giant list of things that need to be done, and all of them pick one thing to champion to ride to their next promotion, and it's totally subjective as to what they pick to champion. One of the best books I've experienced maybe ever is called How Big Things Get Done, the surprising factors that determine the fate of every project from home renovations to space exploration and everything in between. I saw one of the writers speaking in a YouTube video describing the why the California high-speed rail has been such a disaster. Um, nah, yeah, B. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel this. I think, and I know I've said this a bunch of times on the podcast, but I learned this. I was told this in, in the military. I experienced it at, at, at Intel Corp. I experienced it at the Pentagon. Um, and I've experienced it in stand-up comedy. And it's it's absolutely true everywhere you go for the for the most part, you know, give or take. But yeah, only 10% of people know what they're doing. In the, in a big enough in a big enough organization, only 10% of the people know what they're doing. You know, 10% of the people have no business being there and everybody else is just copying the first 10% trying to keep their jobs. And coast, you know, and then on top of that, you have the Peter principle, right? And we talked about this a bunch, but that, but it's, but it's when, you know, you get promoted when you do a good job and then you don't get promoted when you don't. So what happens is you keep promoting somebody till they reach a job that they aren't good at and they stay there. And so you end up with that, with a middle management to upper management layer of people that don't know what the fuck they're doing. And, and, and anywhere but the bottom, there's politics, and the politics, how you play the politics at any big enough organization is more important than the results. Because as long as you don't get blamed for negative results, you'll be fine. So you don't you don't care about the negative results that you're not going to get blamed for, you know. And so, it's, it, you know, all those things factor in. I've never been, I'll put it like this. Every successful company I've ever worked for has grown and grown and grown. And the more it grows, the worse it gets. I've never been anywhere that didn't get worse the longer I worked there. Nowhere I've ever worked has gotten better all of a sudden. That's every single job I've ever had. So <clears throat> I think it's just, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's indicative of, 
of human nature. And and uh, and obviously, the U.S. government is the most bureaucratic organization, maybe on the face of the earth. Actually, the English government might have us might have us beat. But it's like this all over the world. You know, people that's like, oh, you got to fill out this form and triplicate. And like, bro, you should have seen what I had to do, what we had to do to just order a part. <laughs> it was so fucking crazy. There was a whole section. I think that back then they called it MIMS. And it was a whole group of people whose jobs it was to do it because it was that complicated. Like, it, like, I could take the average adult and you can order something from Amazon. Like, you need a screwdriver from Amazon, you can order it. Most adults can figure out how to do that. But if you need to order a screwdriver for the, for the Marine Corps, <laughs> boy, that's, you're going to fill out at least six forms. And you're going to fill out three of them a few times because you did it wrong. You know what I mean? And it's complete arbitrary shit. And you know what's so funny? The MIMS person would laugh at you. For not knowing, because think, think about this, they deal with every order, and you have to order something very seldomly, and they'll laugh at you for not knowing some mundane thing, you know, but they're like, <laughs> you know you have to put a 12 in box six, come on, you're like, well, what, well what's box six, it's, just, it's box six, it doesn't mean anything, like you, because listen, I'll I put it like this, if this is I, the GX75. You need to have a GX76, you dumb fuck. Oh yeah, yeah. Just bu- just dumb shit. And and listen, if I got anybody here to devise a way for different units in the military to order parts, you would not invent this. You know? Right. It, yeah, it it would seem like to be a, a pretty straightforward um uh, pur- uh purchasing situation, but it isn't. It's completely convoluted. It, uh, at the time, it was not at all digital, at least even if I think I think the digital thing came last, but you had to fill out all these different forms by hand. Um, maybe maybe they're luckier now. That was years ago. But but it's like it's purposely that way, because like he said, the people, the people, the people with the power to make decisions are not affected by those decisions. Outside of uh, them getting credit for for the things that go right, that, that's their number one concern: is that whatever they whatever they get behind goes right just long enough for them to get credit and get a promotion or get something out of it. And they don't care how well it functions or how it affects the people that are fucking five levels beneath them. They have zero concern about that, none whatsoever. I, but I can't tell you. I wonder if I told this story before, but actually this happened, this happened several times because most of my Marine Corps experience was in the desert. Um, I was, you know, 29 Palms and, and Iraq and Iran and, um, not Iran. Um, what's the, what's the shit right next to Iraq? Kuwait. Right. And I can't tell you how many times the, you know, that, that they, they, they made us rake sand. You know what I'm saying? Like there would be there would be some rumor that a high ranking person was coming through, and so we would rake lines in the sand to make the sand look neat, you know. And they never gave a fuck. But it was somebody it was somebody beneath them that just they didn't give a fuck about. Like 
because imagine having a, a job that you think is important, but it's but it's not so important that you can't drop everything you're doing and go rake sand. The whole unit out there raking lines in the sand that a motherfucker ain't even gonna see. You know, it's like why would the general walk over here? We piss over here. And, and and that's exactly what happened. This motherfucker would drive through, and he would be way the fuck over there where you couldn't even you couldn't even identify his face. You know, and we it's like, well, well, we would have looked good if he'd. Have, and and he, you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure he didn't give a fuck about at all. But it's just a bureaucracy thing. It's like that person didn't give a fuck about efficiency or what you know. And and somebody else probably got yelled at because something else didn't get done because some that person was raking some sand. But whoever made us do that didn't give a fuck. You know, it's like. The, you know, that's why I think we're doomed. We're doomed. We we couldn't organize. We can only we're only good at killing things. You know, that that I'm, I'm talking about just as a species. Any any problem we have that we can solve with death, we're gonna solve that. Or violence, we're gonna solve that. But all this terraforming It'll and still Kumbaya be expensive people. as fuck. Yeah, because you know, some, somebody said to me. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, somebody commented on the on our short about terraforming Mars. Neil deGrasse Tyson is a tour guide at a planetarium. And he, as usual, he totally missed the point. It's about not having all our, all our people on the planet in case something out of our control happens to Earth, like a comet smashing into it. For humanity to survive indefinitely, we need to get off this planet with some... Yeah, 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 but that's you missed the point. You know, the point isn't the point is, is that the technology that would need to exist for us to make Mars habitable would also fix our problems here. It's we're so far away from that, you know, because there there are things that are in our control that will probably kill us all way before terraforming Mars becomes a reality. That's the point. I'm not saying don't go to Mars. Um, also, I mean, calling Neil deGrasse Tyson just a tour guide is kind of a crazy thing to say. You know, I don't know if it's like yeah, a personal that's thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a little more. He's a little more than a tour guide. Um, but like, but I, like, but yeah, I, I, I'm not saying don't terraform. I, I agree. We need to. We need to be able to sp- spread to other planets. But I don't think we ever will. You know. Why, uh, why would we do that to the rest of the universe? Yeah, you know, I, I you know I don't know. I mean, because some some people tend to think that that um like I, I don't I don't think there's some kind of competition between Neil deGrasse Tyson and Elon Musk, but that's how this this comment section is worded. Like you have like because I quoted Neil deGrasse Tyson that I think that I that I'm like fuck Elon. So, but I will say this: just because somebody's a genius in one area, or just because somebody's uh, a billionaire doesn't make doesn't mean they're a genius in all. You know what I'm saying? It's like, would you would you let Elon Musk, you know, operate on you because he's a billionaire genius? That doesn't make sense, right? Because that's not his area of expertise. You know, he may just be autistic and rich because <laughs> that seems to be the only people that get labeled as geniuses is people that end up being billionaires. But you know, he kind of started off with a little money. You know, so it's like. I, that doesn't mean he's an expert in all things. I, in fact, I don't even know what he's an expert in. Honestly, is it just, is it everything? Well, he cl- he claims to know more about manufacturing than anybody else on the planet. Which he claims to know bullshit. more about manufacturing. 
Yes. Than anyone else on the planet? I bet he don't know how to pack a box. <laughs> I bet he ain't never done that part of manufacturing. He ain't never put something in a... I bet you he's never put something in a box and sealed it up. What do you think? He knows how to code. I would love to talk to Elon Musk. He doesn't know how to code. What are you talking about? Then doesn't he know how to code? Isn't he the one that created PayPal and everything? No, he didn't create PayPal. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm on his fans list and he told me. You're on what? (laughs) Nothing, dude. So he didn't create PayPal or any of that? Isn't that how he got rich at first? He was... No, he was an investor in PayPal, but he didn't create PayPal. And he doesn't know mm. how to code. He doesn't know how to code? No. Well, how do you know what he know how to do? Because there was a whole big kerfuffle where he was talking about, we need to do the entire stack over again. And his this was during like a spaces on Twitter uh, with the um, Twitter employees. And one of the lead engineers was like, well, wait, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, we got to do, we got to do full stack from the beginning. He's like, that doesn't. Because like that doesn't make any sense. Like that's impossible. We can't do that. And it was very clear from the conversation. Like he just really doesn't understand. I mean, he he doesn't know how to code. Like why why would you think he knows how to code? He's not an engineer. He's not a. Oh, I'm a, I don't I don't know. I've never heard scientist. him make that claim. And I've never I've never heard of anybody debunk. Because like I told you, the pe- so this is the same re- the same reason I'm not overly familiar with the Donald Trump situation. It's because right. as soon as someone becomes like group hateable or like the groups this, mm. the, like a whole group has decided this is their enemy then I stop paying attention to that person especially because then you just fill your head up with all this bullshit it's like cause you know cause at that point you don't know what you hear about them is true it's it's I was you reading know? this thing saying in the in his book Elon Musk Tesla SpaceX and the quest for a fantastic future he's been coding since he was 10 years old in his book he's he said that yeah I believe he wrote the book let me see Wait, what? I don't even know. Uh, Elon Musk, Tesla, SpaceX, and the quest for fantastic future. So in that book, it says he's been coding since he was ten years old. Yeah, yeah, but that, that but I don't believe. I'm it. A, I don't. That's I'm just. But saying. which book? But you been 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 coding since you were ten doesn't mean that you that you went. You know, it's like somebody telling you they've been uh, they've been doing karate since they were ten years old. That don't <laughs> that don't mean you're a black belt. You know what I mean? I mean, what does that mean? Yeah. You you you. You dab, you you know, you did it when you were ten, and you've been doing it a little here and there ever since. What does that mean? Like that's your expertise. He you know? sold a game. He he was a game creator, and he sold his first one for five hundred bucks. It says. <clears throat> mm. yeah, that's interesting. But like I said, I'm not I'm not on a quest to I'm not on a quest to discredit Elon Musk. You know, but but I don't think I don't you know I don't think you can be, I don't think that your success in one area means that you're right about everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like, like people try. People call Steve Jobs a genius. In what way? He he de- he definitely was a visionary, but I don't think he he didn't invent the iPhone. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like he got he gets credit for it because he was the CEO of Apple when it when it happened. But it's like everyone had the idea. He wasn't special. Everybody got that iPad touch. It was like, man, if they could put a motherfucker. <laughs> They could motherfucker receive it. This motherfucker, this be right. It's like everyone thought that. We just didn't have we didn't have the resources or the scientists or, or I mean or the engineers to make it happen. But some engineer at Apple made that shit happen. And he ain't get no credit for it. I bet you he ain't even get a raise. Yeah, I th- I think what ends up happening is there are these people who become billionaires, become very successful in business, and I'm not trying to discount their ability to 
do what modern day business is, which is get investments, you spend that money to hire people that are way smarter than you to do the shit that you can't do, and then you make the money off of the thing that they create. That's, yeah, but, I mean, see, now, I, somebody I, I, has I to I, do that. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that 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 is a form of intelligence. That is a form of skill. Not everybody can do that. If everybody could do that, then they would. So, but I think the I think what bothers me, what I'm skeptical of, is the myth making that these billionaires then engage in, where Steve Jobs, people think of him like an artist. People think of Elon <laughs> Musk as if he's a a rocket engineer, and he's they're not the they're not those things, yeah. right? They're just they're businessmen. Yeah, bullshitting you know? and bullying is a skill for sure. But it's but but it's like yeah. Running a business is a skill. That's no doubt about it. Um, being, uh, be, being born with money is a skill. Also. <laughs> I mean, that helps, right? I mean, I, I, look, all I'm trying to say is, look, the, the, the only billionaire I know of that wasn't born, you know, on, on at least first base is Jay-Z. Facts. You know, and maybe, and maybe I guess technically Dr. Dre's a billionaire, but you know what I mean. I think he dropped out of the billionaire club actually, somewhat recently. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I just mean very, very, very few of our billionaires didn't start out pretty, pretty well off. Well, I, I think there is an ex- I think there are a few exceptions, and I think those exceptions are people that we don't know about because they're way fucking smarter, and they don't want people to know that they're fucking billionaires. There's right. a lot of, I think there's a lot of people who grew up in like middle class or maybe even lower class upbringings and then became chemical engineers and got a fucking Man, patent for something I, that I they sold what, to Pfizer. I can't wait for that and, shit. If I, if I could somehow, if I could drop three specials, three hour specials <laughs> and then disappear, uh, like if, if, or if somehow I could be a successful comedian without being famous, without being more right. famous, Oh, I, I would work, but it's impossible. Yeah, fame is a curse, bro. There's no way I would be a billionaire and be and be and have my face in the paper and all that other all that other shit. No, what's fucking the Bill way. Murray quote? Bill Murray has a quote where he's like, "If you want to be rich and famous, try being rich first, and then see if you still want to be famous." Mm-hmm. He wants to be. Hold on, say that one more time. Bill Murray says. The thing I always say to anybody who wants to be rich and famous is try being rich first and see if you still want to be famous. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's probably the order you would want to do it. <laughs> 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 you, you know what I'm saying? You definitely don't want to be famous and poor. That's sucks. That's yeah, that's reality TV or whatever. You know. Yeah, being famous and poor would suck. That's how you know fame sucks. Because being fam- being famous with no money is awful. <laughs> Having money and no fame is great. You know? And like I said, because the money just represents freedom. To me, that's real freedom. You know? If you broke, you're not really free. In, in, in a capitalist mm-hmm. society, you got to have money to be free. And, 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 and you don't really have to have that much, to be honest with you. Because you know, you know what it is, too? Because because here's the thing, you can be rich. You I mean you can be poor and broke. I mean you can be famous and broke and still be pretty good as long as nobody knows you're broke. As long as the perception is that you still have money. 
right? Like people people got on a little bow wow about the private jet and all that, but it's like <laughs> that's brilliant. Like if y'all don't know, but little bow wow got caught up because he took a picture in front of a private jet, and then somebody took a picture of him on a regular plane. You know, it was a whole big thing. But the point is, the perception that you have money is what gets you the privileges of being rich. You know, outside of actually being able to pay thing, pay for things. I mean, the, the the other privileges have been. But as soon as you're famous and people know you don't have money, that's when your life sucks. You know, because there's nothing you can do to mitigate the negative side of fame without money. You know, if you know you can't people people could knock on your door, they could come to your job. You know what I'm saying? They live in your building. Like, oh shit. So, you know, <clears throat> I, I guess I guess. I, I, I kind of went rambled myself out of my point there. Um, Have you ever seen the movie With Noel and I? What is it? With Noel and I? No, no I'll never, I've never seen a movie named With Noel. It's like a British uh, dark comedy from the eighties. Basically, okay. like it's, it, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's a fucking hilarious movie. But they basically go into that because it's like. British culture is very status obsessed and like, you know, where you, you know, what class you were brought up in and what school you went to. And there's a, a, uh, a part where they like to like trick the rich kid's uncle into believing the poor kid is rich so they can get the keys to his like uh, <coughs> lake house or whatever. And basically they say like, well, no, we need to convince him that you don't need it. Because then he'll give it to you for free. Um, if he thinks you're not, if he thinks you don't have money, he's going to charge you, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. It's a, that's the world we live in out here. Oh, yeah. That's the point I was making. Money is real freedom. <clears throat> money Money's is real freedom. freedom. If you saw the way, if you saw, I went and opened. Did I? I went and opened up a, a business account <clears throat> at, at at a bank I've been banking at for years. And just in the last few years, I've been a little more successful. I went and opened up a business account. And, bro, I met people in this bank that I've never seen before. I met everybody in the bank before I left the bank. You know, and not because I was trying to. They all walked over. You know what I'm saying? Assistants, managers, um, you know, the GM of the branch came came down from wherever the fuck he be. He ain't working this branch. You know, I, I walked out of there with, like, seven business cards. It's like if you need anything, you call like and, and 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 please believe me, I'm the poorest person in that bank with a business account. But still, the way that, that it's like you just get treated differently. The work, doors open up, you know, people go, you know, or this or that. You know, people will walk up, oh, yo, you can't smoke right here. Oh, I'm sorry. Hmm. You know what I mean? When you that perceived thing, like you you hear stories all the time of of, of like Dave Chappelle will just light up a cigarette in a in a chilies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And won't nobody say fucking shit. You know, and, and that's that's probably less that he's got money and more. That's more um that's more the fame, the fame thing, you know. But if but if a story broke tomorrow that, you know, Dave Chappelle mismanaged all his money and and now he's in debt fifty million dollars. Whatever. He's broke, downtrodden. Wife left him. He he all disheveled. People start walking up to him like, uh, Mr. Chappelle, you can't smoke in here. 
<laughs> I guarantee you. I guarantee you. So it's like it's like you know. I, I think uh, I think we 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 we're a little fame we're fame obsessed. You know, we we, we tend to worship. Uh, we worship people with money, and we worship people with that seem like they have money. And we act like is what I'm saying is like it's not like they have the best ideas because they're successful in something. You know, I don't, I, you know, that's the, that would be like you know, it was like if a uh, you know if Bill Belichick was advising you on, you know, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck. If he was trying to help you make make a medical decision, you know, you'd be like, uh, well, he make one, he won, he won nine Super Bowls or whatever the fuck. It's like when somebody when there's like an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson and somebody asks him a question about like what he thinks about universal basic basic income, and it's like he he's not an economist, he's not a lawyer, he's not a he's not a political scientist. He's a he. You can ask him questions about fucking black holes and the. And and telescopes and shit like he'll know about that, but he doesn't. He's not just a. There's sort of this myth of like the genius, capital G, that right. there are just smart people like 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 Tony Stark could just exist in real life, where somebody could be or or uh, in fucking Thor Ragnarok, where they mention like Bruce Banner has like eight PhDs, and it's like that's impossible. Like you can't like you can't have eight PhDs at fucking thirty four years old. Yeah, yeah. Not well, that's what ones. I mean. It's like, <clears throat> yeah, people have it in their head that like there's a there's a such thing as a genius across all things. Like they're smarter than everyone and everything. And it's like that, that. There are very few people that have that level of intelligence, and they're usually out of their minds. Right. You know, and they, they might have that level of make... intelligence in like two things. Yeah. Right. That's I... that's at the very tippy tippy end of the bell curve. Is somebody who can be a world class expert like what, in what they, two what they call areas a, of study. So what is that? A polymath? Or polymath, polyglot? yeah. Polymath. Yeah. Polyglot is somebody who speaks a lot of languages. Right. Yeah. So it's like people some people are I mean, there's very, very few of those people that existed that have existed. And then even fewer of those people that even that are lucky enough to be born into a situation where they can thrive. You know? Right. Because a lot of those kids, a lot of those people are on like somebody that's that is that intelligent in more than one area is usually on the spectrum somehow, and they got to have the right parents with the right income that's willing to manage them in a way that they can be successful. It's so rare; it's kind of crazy. And even those people don't know every fucking thing. Like you wouldn't ask, you know, you wouldn't ask them about something that's outside of their purview, and they wouldn't. And and, and here's the other thing. A real genius wouldn't answer that question that they about something that, 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 that they aren't an expert on, at least without telling you, you know, I'm no expert. You know, motherfuckers right. was asking Bill Gates about the pandemic. This mm-hmm. nigga ain't a medical anything. He's not a medical nothing. Because here's, here's, here's my other thing. If, if Windows makes Bill Gates a genius, why he ain't done nothing since then? <laughs> That's all I'm saying. At least, at least, at least, you know, the things Musk gets credit for is a bunch of things: Tesla, SpaceX, PayPal. It's like Bill Bill Gates did Windows, and then what? 
But even Windows was not, I mean, he didn't develop Windows himself. He he packaged it and that was his that was his brilliant idea was he was able to make it so you had to buy his operating system, I believe. I know. And I think before, it was a, before he was a that, business genius. He was a business genius, not a programming genius. He was he now he could code, but he wasn't like some um coding wonderkind or anything like that. He was oh, an above right. average coder and he, who he made had a good business co- idea. Back then software was and free. his mom was in the CIA. Right? <laughs> so his mom was in the CIA? I can't remember if she was in the CIA or she did business with See, the CIA well, or well, something. You can't, you can't just be proliferating misinformation out there. Oh, but hey, you know, maybe they'll maybe they'll shut me down. <laughs> no, but 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 uh I do know that coding was coding was free back like like software was free back. Like, that's the way people thought of yes. it. Like uh you know, no one no one was in charge of an arrangement of ones and zeros. Bill Gates is the one that kind of changed that. You know, which is, which is kind of wild, uh, but yeah, whatever. My, I mean, my point is, you know, don't you have to scrutinize everybody, even the people that you that you love. Um, you know, I for one, um, I'm a, I'm a fan of Neil deGrasse Tyson, but I can only take him in small doses. You know. Yeah. Um. Um. Elon Musk, I don't ever listen to him talk at all, ever. I. You know, I I can read the things, but just but watching them talk is just is is impossible. It's tough for me, <laughs> uh, and I don't know why. I think it's the it's the South African uh, accent or something. It's just it's just hard for me. Um, all right, one more email we got here. This is from Bianca. Hi, Brian. I first heard you on a couple's therapy. Oh, yeah, that's the homie. And was excited when your podcast started. Um, I listen often and usually learn something new and have things to actually think, reflect on. I appreciate you taking the time to discuss, debate, break down your perspective and hear what others' perspectives are. And you have an open mind and sometimes change your standpoint. It's refreshing to hear a dialogue rather than people digging deeper into their view and never have flexibility. Your brain and humor is attractive as hell. Doing the right thing is often lonely with no payoff. Thanks for naming the issues, calling out uh, B on a lot of performative I think takes. It's BS. I think she meant to say BS. Oh, calling out bullshit on a lot of performative takes in politics, money, government topics. I know it's just talking, but most folks don't even name the hypocrisy going on. I'm a cynic and laugh that y'all tried to end on a positive new topic that tends to become dark because truly the world is pretty much garbage. Thanks for taking time to read this email. I think I'm in love. <laughs> um, thank you, Bianca. Um, that's exactly how I, yeah, and, and, and we don't, uh, yeah, we just bounce back and forth between cynicism and optimism, I think. Uh, but I'm, I try to be intellectually malleable i try not to be dogmatic um because i i think it's dangerous lack lack of self-examination is dangerous for you and for the people around you and um the the everything becoming ideological because it's almost like everything's a religion now you're 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 in a group you're not allowed to ask questions and when things don't make sense to you you just pretend like they do and I think a lot of us we we do that with poli- we do that with actual religions we do that with politics people do that with sports <laughs> you know I had a homie I don't know if y'all watched the NBA finals um, or the NBA playoffs 
because I'm not a big basketball watcher guy, but I, there's enough people around me that watch it where I can still enjoy it, you know. And uh, and uh, my boy's a Golden State fan, and the uh, the Warriors were eliminated by the Lakers, right? And he told me right afterwards that, or, or right before they got eliminated, like it was one more game. He was like, the Lakers have received. Um, have gone to the foul line like more than any NBA team, I think maybe in history this this season and in these playoffs. Like like the the second team is like unbelievably underneath what they get called. The fouls get called, and I was like, well, why do you think that is? And he was like, because they know that when the Lakers are on TV, they make more money, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, but so are you saying that the NBA and the referees are in on a conspiracy to keep the Lakers in the playoffs because it made more money? Because the, because the because the the Lakers went on to the next round and got swept, so that falls apart right there. You understand what I'm saying? But it's like when they were playing right. your team, Doesn't it was conspiracy. Sense. You're not seeing it clearly. You you know you 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 have to. You have to at least recognize that you're biased a little bit. Were they the same refs that ref both series, though? I don't think so. So it's not all the refs that are doing it. It's just a few refs. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reasoning for your conspiracy was that it benefits the NBA, mm-hmm. meaning the NBA is in on the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then why would they stop the conspiracy? And even if the Lakers was going to lose, why didn't they let it go seven games? They got swept. So if the NBA if the NBA wants them to stay in, why would they not bribe these refs? Or why would they not arrange it so that it was other refs that they had in their pocket? It doesn't make sense. But it's like, but again, it's like, are you a Golden State fan? No, Spurs. So I'm a big believer the reason we didn't three-peat was because You see what I mean? Yeah. They they had the <laughs> the guy that hated Tim Duncan was the one that got caught for 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 gambling. All right, look, I understand, but but you have to understand. Every diehard sports fan has a thing like that mm-hmm. where they're like, this, you know, the reason we lost was not a skill issue. It wasn't lack of preparation. It wasn't because we had worse athletes. It wasn't because we were underprepared. You know, it was some other outside force. Or or I'll put it like this. You ever been watching, you ever been watching a game and it's like, let's say some big thing decides it. A foul, whether something's a catch, whether whatever, right? You ever notice like only the there's there's things that only the fan of that team, only they're the only people in the world that see it one way, and everybody else who's more likely to be objective sees it the other way, and and that's what I mean is like when you're in your own zone, because look, because you because it doesn't mean you're wrong, but you got to recognize that you're biased, you like you're. Your perspective is skewed because you're a fan. And even if you were wrong, it would be harder for you to admit it. It would be harder for you to see it. You know? I'd, I'd agree with that. And I felt that because when Kawhi Leonard left, I said it was Popovich's fault. And all the people in San Antonio were pissed off at me that I had told that to. I've said it on stage and I got booed for saying it because they're like, no, Popovich is always right. And I'm like, nope, he was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I don't know anything about the the, uh, the politics of the Spurs, but I'm sure you're right. It was definitely Popovich's fault, was it? Yeah, he had he had uh, Tony Parker, Ginobili, 
uh, and another player talk to Kawhi Leonard and tell him, you need to do more for your team. And then Tony Parker goes out and says, he's, he's not really hurt. He needs to play. He doesn't love the team. And then the next year, they say, Tony Parker, you're not going to start. And he's like, well, fuck that. I'm going to Charlotte. It's like, you didn't care about the team, asshole. Uh, yeah, see, that's why I emotionally separated from all my sports. <laughs> you know, I tune in. I get entertained. And I don't – because I, I, I was a diehard Redskins fan. And after the RG, RG3 era, I kind of fell back. I still, I, still, I still keep up, you know, when they were the football team and now they're the commanders. I keep up. I keep up. Yeah. But I don't – I used to – like, I was obsessed. I knew everybody on the roster. I knew everybody on the coaching staff. You know, I, I, you know, I watched, you know, training camp and the draft and all that. Now I don't do any of that shit. And I barely care if they win or lose. Like, I watch and I'm, you know, if, if obviously it's still easier to watch the highlights if they win. But I'm not at all emotionally invested because it, it, because I would get crazy. Like it was, it was, it was literally. You know what it is? It's like being out of a cult now, and looking back and going, I can't believe I. You know, because it's fun. That's because that's, to me, that's what watching sports is. It's emotional gambling. You putting your emotional currency on the fucking, you know, on the fucking table, hoping, like, because because like you could just feel normal, but what you're doing is you're like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in with these emotions. On these men. And if they win, I'm going to feel fucking fantastic. And if they lose, I'm going to slam doors. I'm going to yell at my children. I'm going to throw things. Break my TV. Yeah, I might break my TV. I might fight somebody. And I was like, I think I'd rather just be normal, be regular. Because this was, this was like the low, one of the lowest points of my life. And the, and the, and the, and the, the Washington football team is, uh, or the commanders, it, it it it's been over the last like twenty years, maybe top three, arguably number one most dysfunctional organization in all of sports. In terms of just pure hostility towards their fan base, mismanagement, not at all the desire to win. I'm just talking about from the, from not the players, from the organizational standpoint. It was just unbelievable. And then the stuff that's, that's been coming out recently, our owner's basically being forced to sell the team. When's the last time that happened to an NFL owner? The last owner of any major sports team that I remember being forced to sell the team was Donald Sterling. Because he, mm-hmm. said, he said, nigga on tape. You know? And that was like a private phone call he was having with a young, with a young girl he was fucking. Right? Yeah, he said, uh, don't be... Don't don't embarrass me and yeah. Don't be being seen with these niggas. Cause yeah, this bitch. Okay, look. <laughs> look I don't. I this don't is not the him. first time that Donald Sterling's come up on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, look. I don't. I don't condone him saying nigga to to her. But I mean, listen. We all know why she was with this guy. You know, he was old, shriveled. She was a bad bitch. You know, sugar daddy type shit. But I mean, he had a point. I, <laughs> I mean, if I'm because look, because listen, the sugar daddy, sugar, the sugar daddy, sugar baby situation. That's an understanding. That's a, that's that's an understanding. That's an agreement. I know you don't love me, bitch, but I want the comfort of a pretty woman, and I can afford it. You know what I mean? But at the same time, you got to keep up the illusion. You can't show up at my state. You can't show up in my arena with the team I own and sit in the front row, sit in the VIP 
with the with the dude you really feeling. Fuck is wrong with you? That's straight up. That yeah, it's like don't make me look like a clown. You know, it's like I'm already I'm paying for your dates, and then you gonna date the motherfucker in front of everybody. Yeah, I I, I feel I feel his sentiment where he was coming from. It's like I'm paying I'm paying a, I'm paying a whore to act like my girlfriend. You know, and and even though we both know that you don't love me and I don't love you and none of that other stuff, and everybody else know, it's like still, I'm still paying for. It. It's like it's like when you see somebody. It's like when I. It's like if I lease an expensive car, right? It's not my car, but I still I still don't want it to get stolen. I'm not gonna let you drive it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That wasn't a good analogy. I usually <laughs> I'm, I'm usually on top of those. Um, it's a okay. fantasy, and she was breaking. She was breaking the the uh, the fantasy, the suspension of disbelief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I what I'm saying is, I just I understand why, what he was upset about. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that he was racist has nothing to do with it. You know, that's just what got him in trouble. <clears throat> but it, but yeah, but ain't no motherfucking way. I'm a, also, I mean, you can just cut her off. I don't know why you had to leave a voicemail. And why are dudes doing this? Hey, stop doing that. <laughs> What are you leaving? Why are you leaving? Don't leave nothing negative on tape. Pert. Was Pert. it a voicemail or did she record him? Oh, yeah. She might have recorded him. Bro. And I'm going to tell you something him. else, bro. That right there, that's red flag number one. It's like people, we talk, and we definitely talked about this. People that record their friends and shit, is, that's wild. That's wild to me. You know, it's like you got receipts, and it's not because it's not like y'all are enemies, and you and you then you started having receipts. It's like it's like y'all were good friends, and you started recording things. Yeah, that's because that's wild. I say shit to my friends all the time that I don't mean, or I think it's funny, or I'm just I'm being mean in what I'm saying, but I would never be mean in my action. You know what I'm saying? Like some shit ain't meant for you. Some shit's not meant for your ears. That's why it's like, uh, see, a lot of times, if, if somebody come back to you and tell you somebody else says something negative about you, a lot we like we 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 condition to like react to that. But you, but a lot of times, you what you need to do is stop and pause and ask yourself, what are the what are the intentions of this person that's telling me this? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. because 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 people that hate because people that don't really like you your life is entertainment to them, and they'll blow your shit up. Sometimes you you know a, a good friend of yours is just venting. They they would not they wouldn't they wouldn't say the thing to you because they care about you. They don't want to hurt you. They trying to figure out how to say it to you, and so they venting. They just they just talking and working it out, trying to put get words to the emotions. You know, usually to somebody else that knows the two of you. Like they're not. You know what I'm saying? That's a natural part of being friends. It's like, hey, motherfucker, you know this Rob always does this, blah 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 blah. You know what I mean? I'm, like I'm like I'm saying that to Fanny. You know, hey, you know this Rob, blah blah blah. That, but that's not meant for you, right? Like it, it, it's like because it's, it's, it's not like it's something I wouldn't say to you, but it's like I'm right. trying to figure out how to say it to you. So I'm discussing it with our mutual friends. Maybe we need an intervention. Rob is smoking crack, Fanny. <laughs> You know what I'm saying, and and it, it, so okay. it would be, and so it would be wild if she ran back to you and went Brian out there telling people you a crackhead. You understand what I'm saying? It's yeah. people out there that do shit like that where they, you know. So my point is, you also be skeptical of the, of the messenger. Yeah, because I'm yeah, 
I'm always worried about it. Why do they feel so comfortable to talk shit about me in front of you all the time? You know what I mean? Oh, well, that's a whole other thing, too. Yeah, Pe- people that talk shit to you about people you that they know you close with, that's wild. Yeah. But, but, man, but man, listen, it's people out here that's on level two and level three of their bullshit. Some people, they'll talk shit to you about somebody you're close to because they want it to get back to them. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're trying to start a war. <laughs> they're trying to start a, a social war. I mean, you know, so, so, or you know, I, but some people, do, some people talk shit to you about somebody you close to because they think you a bitch. Yep. You know, and they love making you feel that way. So it it it's a it's a lot of Tyrion Lannisters out here. It's a lot. Of, it's a lot of ma- too much credit. It's, it's a lot of masses of whispers out here. Yeah, that's, that is kind of giving them too much credit. Well, it depends on what season we're talking. Um, <laughs> Yeah, the Tyrion Lannister that was written by uh, George R. R. Martin. Yeah, he was top notch. That's how you could tell. George R. R. Martin is a sassy motherfucker. Mm-hmm. All his villains was sassy as fuck. You notice that? Yeah, everybody in Lord of the Rings that was a bad guy was hella sassy. That's what made. T- but they were sassy in like the royal kind of way. You know? Did you ever read Wild Cards, Brian? Nah. What's that? It's George R. R. Martin's um, like superhero series. Like what? he did to superheroes, what he did to fantasy. Oh, really? Was it any good? I I mean, I loved it. It's it's very similar to um, um. Oh fuck! What's the Alan Moore America's Best Comics Precinct Ten? It's very similar to that. So what? No, no, no. Well. It's kind of it's kind of a precursor to the boys, I think. Yeah, the boys was outstanding. Um, I think it's. <laughs> I'm surprised more people didn't talk about that show. Yeah, it was cards. fucking incredible. I think it was just because the boy, for whatever reason, I don't know why or how they got away with it, but Amazon let the boys go there. They went there like HBO never never would. Just in terms of the gore. Or the. You know. Or like the uh, sex party. Yeah, I mean, fuck the sex party, dude. <laughs> dude was fucking this girl that was like, <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for people, <laughs> but she was basically in the hospital bed, like half with half her body left. Oh yeah. And he wasn't just fucking her; he was just like he was fucking her like she was just a uh, like she was a like she was a he was using her like a piece of meat. Yeah, and he wasn't even looking at her, or like, and he and he just finished and zipped up and walked. Like she was trying to, I think she was trying to, like she thought they was in love or something. She was trying to talk to him in German, tell him he's the master race, and and he was getting a hand job from her. Uh, oh right, right. Yeah, no, he yeah. yeah I think job. I think he got it backwards. I think she was manipulate. She was able to still manipulate him even from the bed when she like was missing half her body or whatever. I don't know yeah. that show was fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, I think she got hit. She got hit with that thing thing. She, oh yeah, she got oh yeah, she got pieced up. I remember like, they, they they jumped her and beat the fuck out of her. And uh, girls get yeah, it done, Brian. But, but Homelander was ter- Homelander was terrifying. It, it, you know, it a, so that's more like it. It's a lot of Homelanders out here, mm-hmm. and, and half burnt Nazi bitches. You know, out in these streets. Okay, one more thing. Um, Let's uh, do one of should we, the. Should we, should we do what we always do and try to end with a, with a good one, which I'm well, sure course. will turn into something terrible? Uh, I don't see how that's possible, man. We we can do it. Um, 
James uh, Webb Space Telescope. I got some news from them. From the James Webb Space Telescope? Yep. I don't see it. I see a $100 million jewelry heist. That's fun, too. Let's do that. James Webb is towards the bottom. It's the second from the bottom on the Trello. Wait a minute. Well, how the fuck, what the fuck is this about a heist? How is this about a heist? Is this the right thing? Oh, that's not the jewelry heist. <laughs> it says, woman that was declared dead wakes up in her casket. That's, well, a, different, it by that's a different article. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, was that part of the heist? Because that would have been dope. It was just right above it. <laughs> Brinks driver shocked by size of jewelry heist. Stolen bling may be worth $100 million. The two drivers lingered in the darkness in the hours after their Brinks big rig was burglarized. They try to make sense of the brazen late night jury heist. If this was me and I was going to do something like this, I'd try to stay in the shadows as much as possible. The other driver, Tandy Molly, had another thought. You know what worries me the most is they always want to blame the employee first. <clears throat> okay. It was after 3 a.m. on July 11th, and thieves had just made off with more than 20 large bags of jewelry, gems, and other items that the Brinks tractor trailer had been transporting from the International Gym and Jewelry Show in San Mateo to the L.A. area. The heist occurred during a 27-minute window in which... BD slumbered in the vehicle's sleeper berth, and Molly ate a meal at the Flying J, a sprawling truck just off Interstate 5's. Oh, man, that seems like a bad idea. At first, BD and Motley weren't sure how much had been taken from the vehicle, but after one of the two L.A. County Sheriff's Department deputies on the scene asked about the size of their load, Molly took an inventory of the cargo, and he said he counted only 49 of the 73 bags that had been placed on the vehicle before it departed. Holy shit, said BD. Uh, that's a lot. Well, no shit. Okay, so this is, seems like, man, this is a long-ass article. Have you read this whole thing? My God. Mm-hmm. It's long. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I'm not going to read this whole thing. Um, no, you don't need to read What's it. the gist of it? Basically, they, these guys were, they, these guys had jewelry, like they were, they were, they picked <clears throat> up the jewelry in this Brinks truck, and they were transporting it. And while they were transported, like they, while they were picking it up, they were being watched, like very obviously, by some creeps who had on masks or whatever, like like uh, surgical masks, like the like, like COVID masks, right? And um, then they drove to a flying J and took a nap, and these guys just went and ripped off the entire contents of the truck while they were napping, uh, because they didn't think anybody would be that brazen. Well, one was eating and one was napping. One was eating and one was napping. So you're saying, yes. but but how did they get in the truck? They don't know. That's why it's a heist. They don't know how they got into the truck. Oh, one of them's in on it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. There you go. What are we talking about here? Yeah. One of them's in on it. They knew exactly where you were. Because there's no way they knew you were going to stop at the Flying J's. There's, how did they know that one person was being in the, in the truck by themselves? How you sleep through somebody breaking in the truck? You know, well, I think that's also part of it is that there's been some uh, they've rewritten the chronology of how this happened multiple times. So the question is, somebody like several people involved with this are probably part of the heist. But the question is how far up it goes, because even the higher ups were sort of lying to the police about or hiding some things about the, from the police about how much the jewelry was worth and the timeline of how it was stolen. Yeah, some it's an inside job, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. There's no way that because you don't 
You can't just get into a Brinks truck without waking up the motherfucker that's, that's inside. And and no one will walk up to a Brinks truck and just assume that whoever was inside was asleep. You're going to get lit the fuck up. You know? They literally have holes in the truck for shooting you through. So. <laughs> they have holes in the truck for shooting you? I didn't know that. Yeah, there's holes to shoot through in case somebody tried to run up on you. You know? So it's it's wild for them to all act like, you know, there's too many there's too many coincidences. And, you know. There's too many coincidences. You 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 were happen to be watched by people and didn't notice. You happen to stop. You happen to split up. Somebody happened to have a way of getting into a Brinks truck w- um, without making a disturbance. You know, they didn't run off with everything, which is kind of crazy. Because I guess you would need another Brinks truck to run off with everything that's in a Brinks truck. And somehow they got away without being on camera. Did they catch the guys? No. And this was in broad daylight? Not yet. So that means... Uh, no, this is in the morning. This is early in the morning. Okay. So this that means that they were able... So they, they so they also happened to park their truck somewhere where cameras wouldn't capture if someone did try to rob them. Mm-hmm. You know, so we got, no, we got no license plates. We got none of this. Come on, man. If that ain't the inside job, I don't know what... Or the... Oh, you know what it was? So... The they were they were keeping the okay so this is interesting I'm reading this intelligencer article about it as well so um, they were keeping they were just being lazy they they kept the jewelry in the cab not even in the armored part of the truck that made me want that made me want to what says the vehicle transporting millions of so okay so here so so there's more information here so there's pretty much only one company that 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 has a monopoly on like shipping the like jewelry and stuff like that for different jewelry shows and stuff like up and down like throughout the entire country basically and it's brinks so all of these jewelry dealers hire brinks to transport their jewelry from like one show to another right and so Brinks sent these guys to pick up the uh, pick up the jewelry. They were transporting it not in one of their famous armored cars, which is what the jewelry owner thought they were getting, but a semi, a semi, and semi truck. Uh, says semi truck was not one of the fam- company's famous armored cars, but a semi truck. While the cab was armored, according to a review of sheriff's deputies' body cam footage, the trailer actually carrying the valuables was not. There were no surveillance cameras, and an incident report noted the jewelry was secured inside the trailer by a single locking device in the rear, which just means a lock. And the the thieves simply cut the lock as evidenced by the slivers of metal left behind and appeared to have taken it with them. Did the Brinks truck have Brinks on the side? Not sure. Yeah, because that would be crazy for you to for you to be advertising. Because everyone knows every time somebody see a Brinks truck, they know it's money in it. That's the joke, right? Like when people say, I'm, when people say yeah. they're about to get paid, they go back up the Brinks truck. That's it's a, like people know people associate Brinks trucks with holding money. So if you got Brinks on the side of a semi trailer that's not armored, that's protected by a padlock, I mean they're about to lose this. I mean, hey Rob, now's the time for us to start a daggone <laughs> armored uh, armored car transportation thing. Hell yeah! They just dropped. They just that. fumbled the bag big time. 
Yo, we guarantee. It says, we guarantee. Oh, it says what? It says Brinks. This is a quote from Ming Chang, a jeweler who worked the show with his wife. So the show that they were going to. He says Brinks was supposed to use an armored truck. They didn't use an armored truck. They used a trailer to transport our jewelry. He lost his entire stock in the theft, mostly hundreds of pieces of pearl jewelry. He says, and they only had two armed guards. One was sleeping and one went to get some food and they didn't keep an eye on the truck. How could this happen? Well, I think you just said how it happened. That's hilarious. That's 24 funny. of the 73 bags Brinks had initially said were on board were missing. Uh, though Brinks would later put the figure at 22. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. I just had a weird feeling, said Motley. <laughs> Just had a weird feeling. Said, I just had a weird feeling, said Motley, between puffs on his vape about a figure at the show. He was staring me right in the eye, and I looked. It's like, why is this guy dogging me? He had a beard, driving a silver SUV, and then just sitting there for like two minutes. And then I was, after that, I was kind of watching to see if anyone was following me. They had to have come in here with a fucking trailer. Well, then maybe you shouldn't have gone to sleep in the cab, my guy. So, so he's saying they pulled up beside them in a in a in a semi of their own. No, he's saying he's saying that the amount they they went off with twenty two Brinks bags. So he's like they must have had their own truck, because how else? Would, I mean, I don't know how I don't know how big and heavy these bags are, but they're saying that he must have had a large truck anyway. But they're but he's come he's saying that they did notice somebody who had like a silver truck that was like following them or something so yeah but how guys, could you, put, how could you pull off shady that's shit just, happening that's what i'm saying how could you pull off with a brinks truck full of stuff without having a heavy having a, a truck that can handle that you know without without your fucking well that's what they're saying they're saying well well they they were transporting it brinks was transporting it in just a normal semi truck that's what i'm saying not a <clears throat> but you could right. you could so if then, they had this, if they had a semi truck of their own they would have had they would have took all of the bags Right. Like, well, or maybe you, they just they got what they got what they thought they could get in a certain amount of time. You know, maybe they're like, "Look, we have we don't want to be that we don't want to be in there the entire time. That's going to take to to steal all seventy four bags." Now when we dealing with the fucking bags. Keystone cops, this nigga's still asleep. I'm like, I, 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 took, <laughs> I took bags till he woke up. You know, I'm surprised this guy didn't get killed. I'm surprised. I, I, mean, I bet you they took his gun too. He just ain't report that. They took his gun too. Mm-hmm. They probably took pictures with this motherfucker. And 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 where did they stop for food? Flying Jays. Flying Jays. What is that? Flying Jay. It's a truck it's a stop. Truck stop. It? Yeah, it's like, just a truck is it pretty stop. good? Like Bucky's? No, they have like subways in them and stuff. Oh, okay. So just a truck it's stop. It's like they're fine. They're fine. They're like they're like a Loves. If you've ever been to a Loves. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Bucky's the only one that's worth anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 you know, I get excited when I see a Bucky's to stop at. You know, yeah, Bucky's is pretty dope. You can get some, you can get some brisket in that motherfucker. Some beaver nuggets. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, it's not like the best food in the world, but it's way better than it. Like if you have to compare it to the truck stop category, cleanest bathrooms. It's it's basically fine dining when when it comes to the truck stop world. <sighs> anyway, um, that felt. Right. That felt right. That felt like a good place to stop. Uh, I think we've learned a lot today. Um, um, I, th- I think uh, I think Rob's learned a lot. 
Um, I think we finally convinced him um, to maybe maybe vote conservative. <laughs> you know, sounded sound like I mean, I have like, a kid. I have a kid now, so it's only a matter of time before I start voting Republican, right? Yeah, man. Before you start worrying about the gay the gay agenda. Yeah, that gay agenda. Gay agenda. <laughs> Bro, I couldn't believe how the people got mad. <laughs> At the Target thing you did? Yeah, well, well, the funny thing is, I posted the video in Target. I guess we can play it now. I, but I, I posted a video in Target. Um, not saying anything about conservatives or anything. I just posted it. And, and, it's, and it's wild how people, you know, how people took it a certain way. Like, you know, Because I did mean it that way. I was making fun of the, the, the Target lady. Um, but it's so wild to me how pe there's people that genuinely believe that there is a gay agenda to turn their kids gay or turn their kids trans. And and what I will say to those people is this. Like I like you know, like the point I try to make, the clip the clip kind of sounds more fiery than what I how I actually feel. Cause cause Rob, it just so happened that Rob sent me the clips for last week's episode right after I posted that. And, and one of them just happened to be my feelings about that. And and the thing is, it's like like I said, I'm perfectly fine with you being homophobic. I just don't want you to be fake about it. That's all. Or you know, or or whatever you want to call it. I'm perfectly fine with you not liking gay shit and all of that other stuff. But just be honest. And and here's the other side of it. I will caution you this. You know, you may have a gay son, daughter, niece, nephew, cousin, whatever, and they are not comfortable around you because they hear the shit you comfortable saying about thinking they should die and all this other stuff, you know? And I don't know what kind of parent you are, but if you're, if you're, if you're this mama or papa bear of a parent, then, then, then just know that because it, it's going to break your heart in 10, 15 years when your son or daughter or niece or nephew stop giving a fuck what you think and tell you how much you've been hurting them. You know what yeah. I mean? That because I've seen that I've seen that happen to quite a few people. You know, because because again, I, I come up in the, I come up in the era where homophobia was cool. You know, you know it was almost required. You know, and and it's like I've seen it happen to a lot of. But luckily for me, um, I, I, my uncle was gay than a motherfucker, and so I I grew up very comfortable around gay folks and being comfortable loving my family. But a lot of people I know didn't, you know, they, they was talking one way and then 10 years later they found out, oh shit, my little brother, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Woody, woody, woo. You know, and so it's like, you, you, might be in, you might be in one of those situations. Who knows? You know, because, because, because here's, a lot, here's what a lot of it was too. Our parents and grandparents I think they were more homophobic out of fear for you because they knew how much harder life was going to be for you. So they wanted, they, you know, it's like they were scared you were, you would turn out that way. Um, so they were scared for you. It was less about how you made them look and more about like, well, now I have to protect you from something else. You know what I mean? And and maybe I and maybe that fear manifests in like evil shit with some people. My my uncle did not have a very good relationship with his father because he you know he was one of those people. He tried to beat it out of him. You ain't no motherfucker, you know. And and I think and, and towards the end you start to, you start dying and all that and your kids don't fuck with you. That's a lonely that's a lonely 
place to be sitting. That's a lonely place to be. You know what I mean? If, yeah. if you have to think of it from a selfish standpoint, I mean, you could just be like, you know, people, people, everybody out here just trying to live. You know, I don't know. Because I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, yeah, kids should have gender-affirming surgery at nine years old. No, that's crazy. I think that's crazy. But there's virtually nobody who believes that. Yeah, I don't think I don't know anyone that does either. But it's yeah, one of those nobody, things. Like nobody, I said, nobody thinks that kids should be having surgeries at nine years old. Gender affirming care at nine years old is literally just like changing what name, like allowing, like yeah, calling but, them what, by the name. But that, that goes prefer. back to my point of, you know, like I said, when you've decided that somebody is your opposition, you'll believe anything. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's litter boxes and backs of classrooms, because you know right. shit like that. Like you'll believe, like so you 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 have to self scrutinize here. It's like. Do you hate motherfuckers? I think you have to ask yourself that question, honestly. You know, because it ain't, because I guarantee you, it ain't like you started feeling weird about gay people once your, once your kid popped out. Like you was just, you was just open-minded to the motherfucker. And then you, and then you heard that, and you were like, you know what? These, these faggots are coming for you. <laughs> Dad is here. I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up. If you got any questions, comments, concerns, you want advice from the advice champ, email me at bswithbriansimpson at gmail.com. Don't forget, I'll also be in uh, Denver, Colorado, uh, on July, motherfucker, on July uh, 13th, 14th, and 15th at the Comedy Works. Go on up there and get your damn tickets um, at BrianSimpsonComedy.com or go to the Comedy Works Denver website. Uh, the following weekend, I'll be at Levity Live in West Nyack, New York, the 20th, 22nd, and, I'm sorry, the 20th through the 22nd. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I think I just added a little something, something, something. Uh, I'm going to wait to announce that, but that's a little surprise, a little surprise. Bro. Um, but yeah, so... So get those tickets. Those are probably going to be the last couple times I'm on the road before I shoot my special. So that way they definitely will be. Um, oh, yeah, and your boy is one of Variety's comics to watch, you know. I'm going to make a list of where I'm going to make my top ten magazines to read. That's what I'm going to do. That yeah. Sounds like a good idea. Variety's nominated since I'm nominated. I'm going to be doing that bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>